Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I am neither a Boy Scout nor the son of a Boy Scout. Uh, growing up, you might have called me an avid indoorsman. Okay. <clears throat> My dad worked for a hotel company, worked for Marriott, and so we didn't go camping, we stayed in hotels, right? This is why God invented hotels, so we don't have to sleep outside. Uh, now I'm a little bit better. I'm not totally, not totally useless. Not totally useless. Okay, but if you need somebody to tie a knot, I'm not your man. <clears throat> now, why do I tell you this? I tell you this because of what St. Paul says in today's reading and what I want to say about what St. Paul says. Now, as I mentioned at the outset, our letter of St. Timothy, and if you have your worship folder, go ahead and open it up to that epistle reading from St. Timothy. We're going to be working, working through that. Paul writes this. This is his last correspondence that we have. He's writing from the shadow of the gallows. He knows that his life will soon be ending. And so he writes to his beloved disciple, to his child, he calls him, his child in the faith, Timothy, giving some parting words, some parting words, some final thoughts about living this Christian life. And the first word, the word that I want to focus on this morning, is he says to Timothy, now remember, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God. To fan into flame the gift of God. Now what does he mean by that? What is this gift that Paul's telling him to fan into flame? Well, in the context here, specifically for Timothy, it probably means the, the special gifts that Timothy has with his calling as a pastor to exercise that preaching and teaching. But as we look a, a little bit more wider, as Paul is talking to, to Timothy, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. And elsewhere in the New Testament, it speaks of faith as this gift of God. By grace are you saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's that Pentecostal gift of faith. That at the first Pentecost, you remember how the Holy Spirit came down in the flame, the tongues of flame, and ignited the hearts of God's people with that faith in Christ. So that flame of faith continues to flicker through God's people from age to age. And as it did in Timothy, Paul tells him, exhorts him, fan into flame that gift, which is yours, Timothy. Now, why does he need to say that? Is it because Timothy has been indolent, he's been lazy when it comes to his faith? I don't think so. I think that Paul knew then, as you and I know now, that there are so many forces that would threaten to extinguish that flame of faith. Whether it be the, the storms of opposition or the monsoons of personal trials or the wind and rain, even just the drizzle of persistent doubt, there are so many forces that would dampen that flame of faith and threaten to extinguish it. And so Paul encourages Timothy, as he encourages you and me, fan into flame that gift of faith. It's not to be taken for granted. But how do we, how do, we do that? What does that mean to fan into flame this, this gift of faith? Well, and here is why I want to um, why I, I gave you some full disclosure about my uh, lack of Boy Scout training, because I want to run with Paul's analogy a little bit. 
I'm not great at starting a fire. I know a little bit about how to keep that fire going. I know some more about the scriptures, thankfully. Uh, and what I want to do is to indulge that analogy, that metaphor a little bit, and think about what it means to fan into flame this gift of faith by thinking about what is it like to, to keep a fire going. So bear with me as I do my you know, expertise in pushing an analogy too far. Okay, so you've got the fire going and you want to fan it into flame even more. One of the things that you will likely do is to give it air, right? Fire needs oxygen. I found out this week as I was thinking about it, there's, that, there's those tools that you use. Does anybody know what those are actually called? Bellows. A bellows. Okay, more of you knew than I knew. <laughs> I had to look it up. That's right. You use the bellows or if you're like me, you just go... You try to give it air, to fan that flame into faith. Now, spiritually speaking, this is what Paul is talking about when he says, we have a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Now, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, pneuma, from which we get things like pneumonia, of course. Pneumonia uh, is to have bad breath, basically. <laughs> bad air. It comes behind that, the Hebrew word, one of these beautiful Hebrew words, ruach. I'd ask you to say it, but I don't want you to hakalugi on your neighbor. <laughs> ruach, which literally means the wind, the breath, the breath of God, his spirit. And so we fan into flame the gift of faith by breathing in again that spirit of God through prayer, through communion with the Lord, remembering that you have received a spirit, not of fear. What fear is constantly doing is squelching that flame of faith. Scriptures tell us that the one who loves, that perfect love casts out fear, that you have received the perfect love of God the Father through his son Jesus in his spirit that casts that squelching power of fear out. Instead, you have received the Holy Spirit, a spirit of power, power from on high, of love, of the love of God poured into your heart and of self-control, of a sound mind, that sacred, settled peace that dwells within you through God's power in the Holy Spirit. We breathe that in. We give air to the flame of faith by remembering who we are and whose we are. That already that fire has been kindled in your heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's one way that Paul teaches us here. We fan into flame the gift of God. A second way is to stoke the logs. Okay? You've got one of those stokers, one of those long pole thingamajobs. And you poke the fire. You got to poke it. You got to move the logs around. And it, it, that stirs up the flames again. It rekindles the embers that are in there. What does this mean, spiritually speaking, analogously speaking? I think this speaks to what Paul, when he goes on, he says, Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. To stoke those logs is to share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. To share in suffering, Paul says. Now you think, if ever there was something that would, would threaten to remove those flames of faith and to put it out, wouldn't it be suffering? Isn't suffering the very thing that, that causes us to question and to doubt and to wonder about our faith? Sometimes. Sometimes. 
But just as often as not, and you can testify to this from your own experience, it's in the midst of those sufferings, it's through those trials and those tribulations that you look to Christ, that you are drawn more closely to God when you cling to him because you have no one and nothing else to cling to. Am I right? That it's in the midst of those difficulties that you realize, Lord, I don't have any strength in myself. I don't have any power in myself. I need you. And through that process of sharing and suffering and then looking to and clinging to Christ, the embers of faith are rekindled and it's fanned even further into flame. Now, this is not the way that we would choose to do it. Am I right? It's not comfortable to have that poking and prodding of the Spirit through suffering. But through that, God is working in you, fanning that flame of faith until it becomes even greater still, able to warm others as well. Now, this is something that is a, a profound mystery when it comes to our, our suffering, but I've, I've witnessed it so many times that the suffering, the difficulties that you've gone through they're not only for your own benefit, if I may put it that way, but for the benefit of others. See, others are able to be warmed by God's love through you when that flame of faith is fanned into even further flame as you go through those trials and tribulations, as those logs are stoked. See, now you are able to impart to others God's grace in the midst of those difficulties. See? So that's the second way that the flame of faith is fanned along. The third way, now this is, might be the most natural way, is to take a good old log and add some fuel to the fire, right? It's starting to get a little bit low. Guys, we're really good at this. We see it just going down the littlest bit. Well, we need another log on that. <laughs> add some more fuel to the fire. And spiritually speaking, as Paul shows us here, to add more fuel to the fire means to continually rehearse, recite, to relish and revel in the gospel of grace. I want you to notice this in verses 9 and following. Uh, I'm sorry, verses 11, no, where am I? Chapter 1. Yeah, verses 9 and following. Paul says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You only need a little match with Paul, and you immediately start getting him going on reciting the, the profound mysteries of the gospel. I mean, it's not even central to his argument here, but he just starts going. He starts meditating upon and pondering and rehearsing these great mysteries of the faith. And right away, he wants to talk about the great grace that we have in Christ and the love that the Lord has purposed for us in his son, Jesus. And here, look, this is how we add fuel to the fire is by continually reciting and rehearsing the deep truths of the gospel. Now, I want to contrast that a little bit with the tinder and kindling of bumper sticker faith. Sometimes I think we're too content just to rest in kind of hallmark niceties. Well, God is good and he's got a good purpose for your life and everything is going to work out. True as that may be. When you really are going through those trials and tribulations, where you are feeling the flames of difficulties, when you're passing through that fire, a bumper sticker theology ain't going to cut it, folks. 
You need the seasoned logs of God's deep truths. See, You need the, the grace that God gives to us through his word, not just on the surface level, but at those profound depths. You need to be regularly receiving God's gifts in word and sacrament, in the, the company of his people, attending Bible study, studying scripture, going more deeply, coming to this table, receiving the Lord's body and blood, I read this beautiful quote from an early church father by the name of John Chrysostom. His name means the golden mouth. And he said this in, in a sermon. He says, the Eucharist is a fire that inflames us so that like lions breathing fire, we may return from the altar being made terrible to the devil. Mm, I like that. That as we come to this table, as you receive your Lord's very body and blood, that faith is inflamed in you. That flame of faith is kindled again, and we come back from this table breathing fire like lions. You're like, that's not what it usually looks like when I come back. But spiritually, within your heart of hearts, Satan is cowering away from you because of that flame of faith that the Father has ignited in your heart through the power of the Spirit and that he continues to rekindle through his gifts. Keep adding that fuel. One last thing. As we fan that flame of faith, we need to give it air to remember who and whose we are, breathing that spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. We stoke the logs through sharing and suffering. We add fuel to the fire by reciting, rehearsing, relishing the gospel of God. But then one more thing. We fan that flame of faith by passing it on, by sharing it, by carrying the torch for others. Now here I'm breaking with the analogy a little bit. But a flame is not uh, lessened by sharing it. It grows. It grows more and more. See, Paul says uh, in verse 14 here, he says, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And you might hear that and you think, okay, I need to, I need to make sure I just can protect this fire. Make sure that no one and nothing is going to put this flame out. But you guys know from our Lord's own teaching, hide it under a bushel basket? No! In fact, to do so is going to extinguish that flame of faith. No, instead, I am going to let it shine. I'm going to hand it down. I'm going to carry this fire, especially for the sake of the next generation. There's a, a marvelous book. I brought it with me, as you know I want to do. The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Uh, any of you read this novel before or seen the movie? A few of you, a few of you have. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. It's one of these stories that's kind of like a, a post-apocalyptic thing. It imagines a future in which America has just completely gone to chaos. And maybe it's not that hard to imagine, but <clears throat> No, it's a, this post-apocalyptic future. Everything's covered with ash. We don't know what has happened or how it has happened, but now there's only a, a few people who are still alive, and it really tells the story of a father and a son who are simply trying to survive, to make it another day. They've got their gun with, like, two bullets in it and, and just their wits and their hope and their faith. And there's one powerful moment in the story where the father, it looks like he's not going to make it. His health is failing and he's telling his boy, 
you're going to have to go on without me. And the son says, Dad, I couldn't do that. I couldn't possibly do that. How am I going to do that? He says, you can do it. You need to do it to carry the fire, to carry the fire. And the son says, well, what, what, what do you mean by that? To carry the fire? You mean the gun? I need to carry the gun. That's going to protect me. He says, no, that's not what I'm talking about. You need to carry the fire that's within you, see. The very breath of God that is in your breast. It's like that breath that Paul told Timothy he had because of Lois and Eunice who carried the fire before him and who passed it down to Timothy, and who Timothy passed it down to the next generation. How many of you are here this morning because others carried the flame of faith for you? They carried the fire, your great-grandparents and grandparents and parents, to make sure that that flame of faith did not go out from generation to generation. This church is here because people like Henry Starkey handed it down to the next generation, and on and on and on it goes until you have my wife, Anne, great-great-great-grandchild of Henry Starkey. I still think that's cool. How many of you are here because that flame of faith continued to flicker and that fire was handed down? As I look into the pews, I see it. Generations that are gathered together because others before us carried that flame of faith. Look, brothers and sisters, you have been given a gift in that flame of faith. Do not hide it under a bushel basket. Guard that good deposit that the Holy Spirit is guarding in you. It inhabits your breast. How can I go forward? How am I going to move forward? I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. But take heart because the God who kindled that flame of faith in your heart, he continues to keep it going from generation to generation to generation. If you want to fan the flame of faith today, and I know you do. Carry the fire for tomorrow. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing.